0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Smells Like Business, where you can learn more about the current and future state of cannabis, CBD, and hemp in Europe. Every episode, we talk to different cannabis experts and entrepreneurs, making it easier for you to understand the cannabis industry. I'm your host, Tom, and on this episode, I'll be continuing my conversation with Xavier Gaia. On episode 68, Xavier shared his personal story of how he got into the cannabis space, which spans almost 20 years now, and how Resin Seeds, the company he works for, created Canatonic, one of the first CBD-rich cannabis strains to hit the market. I highly recommend giving that episode a listen if you haven't already. On this episode, however, we talk about clones, and more specifically Clonetics, a Canadian-licensed cannabis nursery offering ready-to-flower clones and having the largest breeder-backed global catalogue in the industry. We'll get into more of that in this episode. Xavier is their head of EU sales, and the company recently partnered up with a Portuguese production facility that also has an EU GMP lab. I think it's safe to say Clonetics is getting pretty serious here in Europe. So, if you want to learn more about the benefits of clones and what Clinetics is getting up to, well, just keep listening. All right, let's continue from where we left off. Nice. Well, let's move on to Clinetics because that's quite an interesting company. So, it's a Canadian company originally, but they do have an international presence, hence you as well. I think you're the European head of sales.
1: Yeah, I mean, initially it was doing the business development for them. And then now that it's more or less set up, I'm shifted over to this role in optimizing their sales for EU, right? So right now we're focusing on Portugal, but not exclusively. We we have some other countries to which we will be selling always from Portugal. But it's a Canadian nursery. It's a tissue culture provider of source genetics who specializes in breeder-backed royalty-free traceable genetics. Some of the, the breeders that we have here on our catalog will have land race strains, so things that have not really been explored in, in the public domain very much. But then we have other companies who have been stabilizing their genetics for decades. This is the case, for example, of Seeds Amsterdam, which has been around since the 90s, and if not the early 2000s. You know, In Spain, we have Requiem Seeds, who their main breeder has been, cultivating cannabis since he was 13, because his father was a grower as well. And now they are Spain's most uh, reputable and award-winning seed bank called Requiem Seeds. And and we have some of their fascinating genetics as well. We recently signed Karma Genetics, who's one of the more reputable breeders from Holland, as well as THC's Amsterdam. And we got Sonic Seeds in the UK. We have Brothers Grimm from Canada, Medcan from Colombia. We've got the Indian Land Race Exchange and Seeds of Africa. We've recently signed Seed Junkie Genetics as well, which is also a big win for us. So our catalog is quite impressive. It's all over the place. We have something for everybody. There's some of the new school and the old school. There's unexplored strains. There's strains that have a very well-known lineage and have established user base already. So corporations who wanted to, to tap into that existing user base could do so. Or the catalog is very deep. 12 breeders, I think 300 different strains. Oh, wow. Eventually, that's just going to expand to more and more. Clinetics and the breeders share the IP on these genetics. So Clinetics will be able to, in the future, create crosses within these 300 strains and be able to come up with new things that that a client may desire as well. And the model of, of Clinetics is really interesting. It's to provide clones, tissue culture clones from Canada.
0: Yeah, sorry, just quickly for our listeners, what are tissue culture clones?
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's a good question. So in traditional agriculture around the world and in some of the poorest countries, maybe like Peru and Bolivia, where their income is based on agriculture in many, many ways, you'll have big berry farms or tree farms or whatever. And they'll start off by putting millions of plants in the ground. And, and you'll note that many of these companies don't create these starting material from seed or from clone, they'll buy it from another company. And the easiest way to do this at scale is through tissue culture, micropropagation they call it. So here what you're doing are using very, very small pieces of the genetic material of a living plant and you're able to replicate that and exponentially in laboratory settings, be able to create a sizable mass of plants based on a, a very small amount. Essentially that's tissue culture and the benefits to it are vast. It's not only that you're able to create a huge amount of plants in a short amount of time, but the plants are also coming sterile and free of pests and hopefully, if done right, also diseases. This is a huge win for producers because they know that they're starting off with healthy plants. Also, these plants with tissue culture, they recover the vigor of seed. And this is also something that's really, really interesting because producers will notice that when they are growing from their mothers over time, if they're not cared for optimally, they'll see a degradation of the health of the plants and also a lengthening of the time that it takes the clones to root. And tissue culture provides a plant that's sterile, but it's also vigorous. There are some difficulties to tissue culture. Uh, The the genetics that we keep in germplasm have to be replaced every six months. If your protocol is not really, really, really tight, and and I mean, in this, the scientific methods that you use, you may have residual hormones, which may affect and actually even alter the DNA of the plant, it's something that, in my opinion, if it's for a commercial venture, it should really be left to professionals. If there's a lot of, you know, a lot on the line, and, and sometimes if a company's planning to plant 10,000 plants at a time, the income that could be generated there is pretty large. It's really only in the last two, maybe three years that there's been major headways made in tissue culture, micropropagation for cannabis of the research papers you'll only find them from 2021 onwards at least for cannabis micropropagation and one of the reasons why it becomes so complex is that you need like a unique formulation in essence it's almost like the micronutrients and micronutrients and everything in a little gel form every strain responds very 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 different to this so traditionally to be able to come up with a protocol for each strain would take six to nine months just to get it to root successfully and now modern scientists and able to make this process go a little bit faster. So at Clinetics, we have hired some scientists out of the Max Planck Institute and, and some of the best tissue culture scientists out of Canada. And now they're helping us to hasten this process to enable us to, to come up with a faster protocol for each strain and then get it into our tissue culture facility. And then from there, reproduce it at scale. So if, if you have a client who tells us that next year he's going to need 500,000 clones this is something that's a little bit more difficult to do in your traditional mom and, and clone chamber. So that's when micropropagation comes into play. We have these massive chambers. They're called VV cabins, and it's really interesting technology. They're plug and play. They're they're kind of like really really tall, and you know maybe something out of like six meters by six meters by six meters, and you'd be able to produce a few hundred thousand clones a year, maybe three hundred thousand, five hundred thousand clones in a year. So. It becomes really interesting. The potential for providing the starting material to companies in Europe is, is really interesting. They suffer from a need for traceable, but then also stable genetics. And for cannabis, this is not something that traditionally exists. So most of the existing licensed producers, particularly in Europe, which is where we are and are discussing now, they've had to rely on European breeders, seed banks. And these are not seeds that have been conditioned in any way for a scale. So something that that has high tolerance to pests and diseases, something that has uh, fast flowering times and high yielding, you know, and high terpene levels. So now you'll have breeders that are working for this for commercial conditions. But in the past, it wasn't something that was done at all. So one of the most efficient ways for producers to work with is consistent starting material. And this is done through clones. So that's why you'll have, you know, 95 percent of operators who have consistent long term operations and who seek longevity. They'll sign a, a contract with the client for a specific strain. So they need to be able to replicate that strain continuously, and you can't do that from seed. So either they keep their moms and they make their own clones, or you come to a company like Clinetics and you tell us in advance how many clones you're going to need by this date, this many months in advance. And we'll be able to provide 10, 20, 50,000 clones of X many different strains that come with sterility and full vigor. They're breeder back. They come with breeders rights and breeders notes as well. So you'll have like a, a full explanation of what to do week by week for every strain that you're growing. And I think one of the cooler things that, that Clinetics has is that, that you have access to the breeders. It's the breeders who are getting paid. That's also one of the cooler things about this business model is that the people who, who are part of this collective are finally being looked after. They get a piece of their pie. Exactly, because otherwise people get the seeds in the souvenir market and they grow it to their heart content, but there's no kickback to the actual producers. I can't speak with certainty, but I believe that in a lot of the fruits and vegetables that we buy today, the breeders, you know, when the plants are getting sold and put in the ground, they're, they're getting a percentage of those in the form of royalties. So
0: why should that not translate into the cannabis industry?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is, you know, we have to all admit that especially those in, in what's now the white market is the flourishing legal market of cannabis, whatever space it's in. It's all, as they say, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants based on the work that the legacy market has pushed forward for for so many years. And the idea that corporations can come in here and then reap all the benefits is a little bit hurtful because there's a lot of breeders and, and like market growers who suffered through all kinds of fear and exploitation for many years. I think that's one of the cooler things that the Clenetics business model offers is that we're able to, in one way or another, finally look after the breeders in this way. And I think that's what attracted the, these breeders to this company. Say, look, here's my genetics. I'll let you take them and resell them. Myself, personally, I was invited as one of the breeders, one of the 12 breeders as ResinCease. I saw the vision so much and I started kind of doing so much for residency in Europe that I guess Clenetics, and I'm very grateful to them, I was very fortunate ICBC in Berlin, not where I met you, but the year previous to meet my current partner in Portugal, who is an existing licensed producer and also has an EU GMP facility and was very kind to take the time to listen to me. And she understood the value of being able to provide genetics to her local competition in Portugal. And it's not really competition because in Portugal, the licensed facilities are all producing for an export market. It's not for the local Portuguese market. So they all have to get their genetics from somewhere. So our company realized, our partners realized that, you know, it was a very quick path to victory if we're able to, you know, provide genetics for for them, but then also for everyone else. So we've been working hard with our partner in Portugal to set up our, our nursery there. We're almost operational. We have over a dozen genetics that are high in THC. Most of them over 20 percent and high in terpenes and meeting a lot of the market requirements that uh, European producers are looking for. And Clinetics Europe is is a reality. We're going to kick off in Portugal in a heavy way and then look to expand and help out some other countries. We're looking at Austria, we're looking at Holland, the UK, Switzerland, Germany, Greece, and a few other places.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And, and Portugal's a good place to to kick off, right? So it's they want to be one of the the leaders in definitely in cannabis production. That sounds super interesting. Quick question about clones. I mean, with your clients, are more and more companies, I mean, I'm talking B2B, obviously, are more and more companies switching to clones? What is the ratio of seeds to clones? Or does that really vary on the specific situation of that company?
1: I would tell you that unless they're an outdoor operation, and even then they would look at clones, but if it's any kind of greenhouse or indoor facility, unless it's for validation purposes, where they decide that it might be easier to start from seed. This is something that you'll rarely, rarely, rarely ever see in the cannabis space. You'll see that most producers around the world, but at least specifically in Europe where my work is based, it's almost all clones. So the ability to have clones which then are traceable, and by that it's having this full acceptance, governmental acceptance. And we have partners like Cannabisia who help with our our track and trace and compliance. So we're able to demonstrate from the very, very beginning that these things are coming in from day one with all the permits that are needed for both Health Canada, now from InfoMed in Portugal. And it makes, uh, because it's a third party, it just makes our business ceilings look a lot cleaner. So there's no doubt of where our intentions lie.
0: Yeah, I mean, transparency, traceability and trackability, right? Super important in this day and age in all industries and cannabis industry is no exception. Yeah, I had Luke Rickner on the show a little while ago from Canavigia to talk about just that. I mean, the traceability is often nice to have. And also, you know, the consumer or end customer these days are more educated on different products. So for them, they like to see that. But it actually sounds that it's quite an important part of your business model in the sense that you work with these breeders. So you almost need that traceability to ensure legitimacy in what you're selling. I think it's great that Clinetics has created a business model, which is including legacy growers and actually trying to get them in and give them a piece of the pie. For our listeners that may not know, Clinetics works with some of the best breeders from around the world, many of whom have created some of these original archetypes used across the industry. What is an original archetype, and why is it so important? These are
1: strains that have been both worked on, have been explored by the community, have been used by patients and consumers, and there is a little bit of knowledge to these strains. Some of them go on to be entered into cannabis cups and competition and win awards, and they they enter into the kind of like the ether, they become kind of well known. And I guess that's what makes a a strain, archetypical strain, especially then if it's used in breeding programs for other seed banks.
0: And then how do these legendary strains become like legitimate, licensed legendary strains that are then used, for example, in breeding programs and by seed banks? licensed producers in Canada. I'm not exactly sure how this
1: operates, but they are kind of given like a a leeway period of a certain amount of time to make a declaration of a certain amount of strains from the legacy market, and then just put them on a document saying, these are the strains that we're working with. And then they get rubber stamped kind of without asking too many questions. And that's how you have these legacy strains entering into a... Kind of legal market and that's the way that they've been operating in canada and not just with clinetics but then also you have companies like Tilray and aurora who were doing the same who had the strains that they had and then they were able to export them out to different countries to continue with their with their grow operations so that's the model that clinetics was able to pursue we have successfully exported our genetics to various countries around the world including portugal the uk uruguay and a few others that we're working on now so for us then, the the transition to then working in Portugal was quite easy It's say, hey, let's take a initially limited slice of our catalog, test it out in Portugal and then slowly expand. So, yeah, we're coming out with our first 16 and 17 strains, if I'm not mistaken one balanced CBD THC, the canatonic, actually, and all the rest of high THC, which is kind of where the, the market is really aiming for. And we're coming out this 2023, hoping to make a big impact in particularly the Portuguese scene, and then hopefully the rest of Europe.
0: So Portugal, you mentioned it a little bit, like you said, it wasn't this last ICBC, it was the one before you met. I think this last ICBC, you actually introduced me to
1: medicaine health yes. and that's vera broder is the ceo there and that's the lovely woman who we met in in yeah. berlin and I, I don't know how much time you had to share with her but i did get to share a few a few meals with her it's always a pleasure there and yeah she's doing a great job with her facility they've had their eu gmp license for over a year and for us it was a very natural and synergistic opportunity to kind of work together so but, yeah, Portugal is a really cool country. I've spent some time there over the last nine months visiting our our nursery. So it's a really interesting opportunity. Portugal is a wonderful country. I had not been there before in my twenty years in Europe. People there are very great. They're humble. they're hardworking. yeah, my time in Portugal in the last year has been very fruitful. And most importantly, just 2022 in general for me has been a great year for networking and going to all of these networking events and and congresses that has been really, really impactful. Recently, I was invited to visit the R&D facility that Philips has out in Holland. I also visited the Sandy Steeds original castle, was part of a group of people who was Invited to go take a look at that there and partake in in the the latest in, in what's going on in the cannabis space in Holland as well. So I'm you know really really fortunate and blessed. I'm riding a really cool wave here. Really excited to see where 2023 takes takes all
0: of us. Great. So I mean we're going to wrap it up here. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, which I tend to ask all my guests. And the first one is, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who is trying to enter the cannabis space?
1: Well, I guess the first thing would be to have a passion, to learn about it as much as you can, to have something to add to a conversation that's not the usual, and then to follow, I guess, the most interesting people that you can. LinkedIn is a great place to do it even more than, I guess, any space that I've seen at this point, at least Mm -hmm. career-wise. And then, as I mentioned before, sign yourself up for these networking events, dress up sharp, make some friends, and then just go to the next one, saying hi to the friends that you made before. And little by little, it kind of depends what you're looking for. And you have to kind of really have a clear idea. And if you don't, then just try a little bit of everything. Most of the people who want to join the space are all connected by a shared passion for cannabis. So either be growing or extracting or promoting the lifestyle of it. If you can find a way to specialize and get people to listen to you and to learn from you, then you have something to add. And then little by little, when you build up some experience and, and some, some true network, then you're able to hopefully shift and call it a career. So it's certainly not easy because it's not existing. It's not like, you know, people can just aspire to be a plant specialist or a consultant or a grower or a salesman or whatever in, in this kind of space. There's no easy pathway to it. So, um you know, it's connections. That's really, really the absolute, the very best way. And the only way to do that is to not be uh, timid, to introduce yourself to people. And this kind a space is so vast that there's literally like dozens of potential jobs or spaces for you to try to uh, work yourself into and then just kind of keep trying different things and different spaces and aspects of it until you find what you like. And You know, you may turn out to be a great grower. You may turn out to be a great, you know, podcaster. You may turn out to
0: be you know, all kinds of things. So you don't know unless you try it. Exactly. If you don't try, you don't know. Great. So the very, very last question that I ask all my guests is, if you could go back in time, is there anything you would do differently?
1: Well, I wish that just in generally, uh, as a cultivator, as an advisor, whatever knowledge I've collected at this point in time, um, if I could have all that when I started, if I could just collectively condense all of my experience onto a little hard drive and upload it into my 20-year-old self, that's what I would do. Because there's a million things that I would do differently, and all of it has to do with the bumbles and mistakes that I've made in in the 20 years to get here and, and the mistakes that I've learned. So, but yeah, it, it's been a difficult journey to get here, but I don't know if I would be here if I didn't follow these paths. So, you know, I'm not necessarily any regrets, but I wish I'd probably had studied something in the sciences I think that might make me a better uh, at my job today. I look at people, some of my peers, I recently met a gentleman by the name of, shout out to Game Hat, uh, Damien Solomon, who's who's a great uh, cannabis consultant, but he's also a, a true agronomist. And, and I look back and I kind of wish I had studied that and, and have that deeper understanding of the plant that, that these people do. So, you know, working with cannabis for 25 years, it's no guarantee that you know it all.
0: I mean, it's also a wonder plant, isn't it? There's just so many layers to it and we're still learning things every day about it. Great. So, I mean, how can I guess find out more about Clinetics and what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: um, I guess the easiest way would be to either follow Clinetics on Instagram or on LinkedIn. It's Clinetics with a K, so it should be pretty easy to find either of them. And uh, personally, um, you can find me on the Instagram page for Residency It's official, uh, all Mm -hmm. one word, and you'll be able to find me uh, on LinkedIn as well. But uh, I try to leave that for working connections as well so i'm happy to take all requests but um, i might try to not uh push it too much absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah
0: great well thanks for sharing your wealth of knowledge on seeds genetics and clones
1: absolutely thank you so much
0: So that was Xavier Gaia, who I just want to thank again. If you want to find out more about Clinetics and what they do, you can check out their website at www.klinetics.com. That's K L O N E T I C S dot com. If you want to check out our website, you can do so at smellslikebusiness.com and subscribe to this podcast if you like what you hear. I've been your host, Tom. Have a green day. business.